So I'm gonna do something that's gonna sound a little crazy until it makes sense and then you'll be really glad you were here today. I'm gonna teach you how to curse in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I told you to sound crazy at first. So let's remember that we're talking in English here and we're studying the Bible. My job today is to banish fear from your life. That's my job. I want to share with you how the name of Jesus Christ, spoken out loud on my lips, on every opportunity I can make it come out, has banished fear from my life this week as I've walked among you here in Rockford. I just want to share that with you. And it starts, you know, with the story about Jesus on the water. That is our gospel reading for today, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we looked at some of the feeding stuff last week, all that Elijah, Matthew, Jesus parallel up on the mountain, wind and all this. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to focus on now is after that, as Jesus goes down the mountain and he walks into the windy storm that's happening on this Sea of Galilee, which I think most of us have like a picture of what that looks like, whether it's from a Sunday school bulletin or whether it's from a picture on a wall or maybe a cartoon. It usually is a picture that is like a cartoon, though. Right. Okay. But Jesus is out there and he's on the water and, and he's walking. Right. And he's not really having much of a time of it. Right. He's just kind of chilling on the water. Um, now, don't get this confused with the time when he's asleep in the bottom of the boat, by the way. Um, that's a different storm. But this is the point is there's a storm going on here. The text was pretty clear about that. We're going to dance through some Bible verses today. If you have Matthew 14 available, please look at it. If you want to get ahead of the game, I'm going to push us to Psalm 118 at a certain point, And that'll be the one that's going to be the biggest payoff if you can only get to one Bible text to look at today. Uh, but Matthew chapter 14. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Fourth watch of the night, it doesn't take that long to cross the Sea of Galilee. Mark tells us a little bit more than this. He tells us it was stormy, right? It was, it was some up and down waves. And we're going to get this uh, a little bit later in the story, but you don't have it at the start. But they've been rowing all night long to try to get across this. It's smaller than Erie, but it's, it's probably bigger than Salt Lake. I didn't find a map to tell me this week. Bigger than the Great Salt Lake. They can't get across it all night long. And uh, it's, it's bad enough that when they see him, they're going to think it's a ghost. Here, let, let's get back to the text and, and I'll kind of uh, go from there. Um, so he, he, it's early in the morning. It's still dark, right? The disciples saw him walking on the sea and they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for phobos. Phobos, that's fear. You have a phobia, right? Phobos, Greek for fear. They cried out for fear. Do they all just have phobias of ghosts? These strange 12 men in their little boat on the Sea of Galilee who are pious Jews and believe in the one true God? Why are they talking about ghosts? <laughs> right? And I love, you know, uh, the connection here to English, German, and how language really does get weird. Uh, you know, the, the geist, the ghost, it's just an old word for spirit that then has changed as we've used it in English and it's become like Casper, right? Which is also a mattress, which is how language babbles, 
over time. And if you don't have a story like Christianity to hold you together, it's not going to make sense, right? How much of that made sense to you? Some of you are too young to have all the words I said. Some of you are too old to have all the words I said. If you're in your 40s, you probably know exactly what I said. Because I use a lot of pop culture references that are gone now, right? They're gone. But what's still here? Oh, Jesus is still here. And the sea is still here. And this, this storm, which is what I'm trying to get is to, they're troubled because they're in a storm. And the result of them being in a storm is they think that there's a demon in the water. So if I can drive home like a secondary point for this morning, is that you don't believe in demons. You don't. You don't. You really don't. No. You, you, you think about them and you accept them as a premise in a theoretical world. But if you really believed in demons, you'd pray every time you got in your car and drove somewhere. Because you'd realize in leaving your land, you are leaving behind the spirits of the people who have been with you and going to another spirit world that you couldn't walk there. You're taking a time machine. You don't call them time machines, just cars, right? But they changed everything about life, and they made us not afraid of demons. We don't even think they're there anymore. We just go wherever we go. We don't even pray about it. They're in a storm. They're like, demon! And we're like, silly guys, they don't know. They're so stupid. Right? No, no, no. They believed what everybody in the world believed, and they believed in Yahweh. I'm not saying that they're right to think they can meet a demon in an alley. But I think if in the middle of the night you saw some actual figure walking upon a stormy water towards you in your little fishing boat, you would not think it was a human being. And you might shout out something about, you know, dear God, what is that? And then if you're an American, you'd feel like you cursed because you said, oh, my God. <gasps> I said, oh, my God, did I curse? Except you pointed at the thing. Well, it's a demon, they said, not oh, my God. They said, demon. They said, ghost. And Jesus says, tharsite. That's the Greek now. Okay. Tharsite, which is a marvelous word. Get to the red letters if you got them. Be of good cheer. The English can't handle the Greek. There's, there's too much in each Greek word. And Hebrew has too much uh, for the Greek to handle. So it's even more compact in the Hebrew. But, you know, one word, tharsite. Be of good cheer. You know, how, how, do I, how do I do that in British, right? Uh, I, I, for me, it's, it's just like, you know, um, hey, or hey. You know, in, in some big moment of, of power, you're just, ah, that's Tharsita. All right, now, I, I did onomatopoeias, three of them. Don't write them down, <laughs> right? But you got the emotion of the word there, I hope, right? He's not in there being like, hey, come down, kids, you're just loud. I mean, they're kids. They're kids in a boat, in a storm. He's in charge of, right? The church, 12 guys, us in the world right now, it's all the same thing. And he's not, hey, you guys, you better out the He's just like, calm down. Calm down. And he says, ego in me, which is I am in Greek. It's so I am famous in Greek, that if you have anything in John's gospel memorized after John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, probably NIV that I had to memorize it in. <laughs> um, uh, anything after that's going to be, I am the way and the truth and the life. Uh, I am the door. I am the vine. I am the good shepherd, right? That's all ego, me, 
in the Greek. And here he says, I am calm you down. Calm you down. I am. And we translated it, it is I, right? Which would be like, hey, be of good cheer, it is I. You know, that, that is how Robin Hood would have done it, you know, in, in the old show. You know? So like, that, that's, that's right, they got it, but we don't talk that way. But we talk like worse, right? So that's what we're working on today. How do I talk better? How do I not curse, but maybe swear instead? Or how do I maybe not swear, but bless? And that's really where we're going. So again, be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid of me, phobos, the phobos, fear, me, phobos, the, yeah? You fear not, I am also, by the way, he says, right, right? I am calm, I am, you fear not, Jesus shouts into the storm while they're there in their little boat. And fear being an actual god of the pantheon of the Greek world, the one who would, of course, show up, he's a minor god, when you have someone like Hades stirring the world up to disaster, which is literally, if you were going to draw that picture, it would be a boat in a sea, as we draw, like in the ancient world, the Greeks, that would be like what Hades would be doing to this poor little ship, right? And fear would be right there. And Christ is like, no. And Peter, who is you, like him, hate him, be him, <laughs> read him, First Peter, read it. Um, Peter's first thought is, um, well, if it is you, here's the English, if it is you, Lord, tell me to come to you. That's, that's the British way, right? But um, the American way, remember, Jesus is like, hey, it's okay. And Peter's like, ah, I don't know. I don't trust demons, right? Because the demon shows up. I'm not fear. I am comfort. <laughs> slither tongue come out, right? <laughs> Can you do slither tongue? Harry Potter reference, who didn't get it? Anybody not get it? Harry Potter reference, okay? If you can't get Harry Potter, you're doing the right thing, actually. You're keeping some of it out, honestly, right? Should've slithered tongue. Gee, sus, help me. <laughs> he says, come, Elfa. Elfa, come. I don't know if I believe in demons. If it is you, Lord, if it is you, Jesus Christ, talk to me. Huh? And Jesus says, come. So the word of God is there calling Peter to faith. Hear this as your conversion. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Every moment you hear about someone putting their faith in Jesus, just come to faith again. We don't need a kneeler's bench up front to convince everybody every seven years that they really didn't believe seven years ago, right? All we need to do is realize that baptism is a daily life of repentance, so come to faith again here with Peter, right? As, as Peter says, I'm not sure if it's you, Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, uh, Eltha, come to me. So Peter comes out on the water and he starts to walk on it. And I, I got to give you the best part. Remember, we're in a storm. It's not the best part. It's my favorite part. Sorry, should not confuse that. Uh, in this storm, the waves are three to four feet high given way the Sea of Galilee would be. Right? They could get up to like nine plus, right? Real bad. But, but these are just, again, they're rowing against the waves. What, two feet high? Can you imagine that? Have you ever been like underneath a two-foot wave? Like it, it's pretty big like that, right? Now, how about if there's a bunch of them and they're kind of moving around all this? How is Jesus walking? 
The fact that Peter walks on the water is a miracle. The fact that Jesus walks on the water is a miracle. The fact that Jesus is walking on this water is a fun puzzle. You've got all sorts of stuff you can do. Is he like Moses? Right? Here, I, gotta, I have some space, right? Well, how would Moses do it with his staff? Right? There's a lot of the water just partying. See a bunch of waves doing this thing, and I'm Jesus, and it's late at night, and I finished praying, and I gotta get across. I'm jogging or running. It's called parkour, but I'm a surfer, so I think of it as surfing, snowboarding. You're coming up, and you're on this water, across the water, right? And that's when they're all, it's a ghost! Come on, guys. Come on, guys, let's run. Let's play. Peter's gonna go. He runs out. He doesn't even question. I would be like, if I got out of the boat, that choppy water, I got my shoes off, testing it with the toe, right? You've seen the cartoon for that one. Yeah? Uh, I don't know. Um, Peter just starts running. And then, so don't miss, he runs on the water, not like the lizard. Have you seen the lizard? He can go like 15 feet on the water. They say it's the Jesus lizard. Go Google it, okay? Um, it's not like that. Peter gets out there, and Jesus, who told him, do the impossible thing, because he believes Jesus, he trusts faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone, he does the impossible thing. And whether I want to turn that to a talk about the Lord's Supper, or a talk about you living without fear, they're both true promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter does it until, this is so beautiful, Verse 30, but when he saw that the wind, he, he, it says he saw the wind, and I'm not disagreeing with the Bible. The Bible is without error. But I know none of you have ever seen the wind, right? You've seen the effects of the wind. You feel a breeze. It says he saw the wind. So what did he really see? The waves, the waves that the wind was making, and as a result of the waves that the wind was making, he saw everything except for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He took his eyes off Jesus Christ. Now, God be praised. When he took his eyes off Jesus Christ, he began to sink right away. He knew exactly what to say. And it wasn't so much praise at this point. It was, in fact, a prayer, right? Lord, save me. Good prayer. Salvation doesn't just mean the last day. It means today. And it just doesn't mean, doesn't just mean like today I give my heart to Jesus and I believe. No, no, it means today when something goes wrong, I'm supposed to say, Jesus Christ, save me. And when I do, he does. He's done it every time. I keep waiting for the one he's gonna pull the rug out for me on. I don't like Lucy or Charlie. I hate the show because I'm scared of that happening to me. And I think God's going to do it to me as soon as I trust him. As soon as I just let go and believe, then the fear will really get me. Ah, see, what is the fear that comes up? Peter calls out the right thing. Save me. Huh? And immediately Jesus stretches out his hand and catches him. He doesn't talk to him first. You know, there's a lesson here, son. You know, uh, first, he reaches out his hand and he touches him. He brings him home. 
right? Gives him not a ghost, but a real man who is God. He touches him. And then he says to him, Alakapiste este editastas. But alakapiste, one word in the English again, O you of little faith. Alakapiste. So for us, it's like a, an exclamative phrase, if you want to be the grammarian again. An exclamative phrase. It's one word, it's a name. He calls him Little Rock. And now he calls him little faith. Huh? One word. He's like, you know, Peter, Peter's like the runt in the pack that barks too much, right? That's the way to look at him. And then that's the way to believe God sees us, every single one of us. Does the owner, does the master not know about the runt in the pack and what needs to be done so the runt grows up well? If the master doesn't know, the runt will not grow up well. Well, who's your master? And we are all runs in his pack, and we're just chip, chip, chirp, chirping about lots of things, very rarely with the name of Jesus Christ after it, right? Did you see what they're doing now? How about, have you seen what they're doing now in the name of Jesus Christ? I can't take it. That'd be very British of you, I suppose, except they never did that, or they don't. Why? Because we're not supposed to use the name of Jesus Christ that way, it seems. And that's what I want to push on here a little bit. But first, you have little faith. It's a pet name. Remember, he's all about calm right now, right? You have little faith. And then what made you not calm? What made you not calm? Why did you doubt, he asks. Um, into why hesitation is like the most literal I can get with it from the three words in Greek. Into why hesitation? And that's the question is really for us, right? Well, he... He looked at the waves, and so he was afraid of the wind. He was smart enough as an ancient man to realize that wind and waves go together, and he was smarter than modern man because he believed it was spiritual too. And it was, and it is, and it still remains this way to this day. God sends the storms. We don't. So why did you hesitate? Peter hesitates because of fear. Be not afraid, Jesus has already said. And now what I want to do with our remaining time is to take that idea and run the name of Jesus Christ as a word in your vocabulary through some places in the Bible where you're allowed to believe it's true and you're allowed to say it out loud in that way without anyone telling you you're not allowed to. Why would anyone tell you're not allowed to? Would you grab your hymnal, please? Grab your hymnal. This is, this is definitely Sunday school right now. I want page 321 of your hymnal. I know you can do it. Page 321 of your hymnal. Did you know? 321. The small catechism is in your hymnal. Almost all of it. Not quite. Another story there. But it's there if you ever want to reference it. I am oath sworn. Catch me. Oath sworn before you all as a congregation to teach according to this small catechism. So if you misunderstand me today, you can accuse me of false doctrine before the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod if you like. You really can, because I'm teaching you to swear in the name of Jesus today. And it says right there in the second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, Use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name. 
but call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. I was in the generation that did not memorize that in Lutheran Day School. I don't know why. Where did we stop? When did it change? They used to have Latin after eighth grade. I mean, they were done. They were ready for Latin. They went into high school with Latin, went straight on to seminary and college. It was a, it was a system. What happened? I, I'm in the middle of it falling apart. And I know that we didn't memorize this, but it, we certainly had them kind of talk about how we should. So I was exposed to it a lot, and it, it rings in my ears, but I've never really sat down and memorized Luther's answers all the way through, nor at this point in my life will I. And it's because, sadly, we've given them the equivalency of the Bible. Because this little phrase in English, you should not curse, swear, use satanic arts, is so misunderstood that I would call it one of the greatest problems of the Missouri Synod, but it's the Eighth Commandment we have the real problem with. And I can't do that in the time today. But let me kind of rewind here into German for a moment. The small catechism of Dr. Luther held us together in German for 500 years, and in English, we fell apart in one generation. So I'm not teaching against my vows. I'm suggesting the English, we just don't get it yet. And I'm not saying I get it all. I'm saying I see where there's some problems. And here's one of them, that it says we should not curse, swear, or use satanic arts, when all of those words in German have absolutely nothing to do with saying, oh, poo-poo on the farm, okay? Let the listener understand with some parcel tongue. Huh? 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 Uh, it's not, oh, poo-poo, right? It's not about the birds and the bees. That's not what cursing's about. Oh, this word I say, or you're a this because you're like a female in that species, right? None of those words are cursing. In German, in this word, he doesn't mean that at all. That's just kind of uh, uncouth, you know, foul. It's potty language, it's bad hygiene, you know. Um, swearing now, again, this is neither going to be something as simple as, um, I promise. He's not saying, you know, don't ever tell your friend you promise, or, or don't say, I do, on your wedding day. And yes, there's a phrase, Jesus says, I tell you, swear not at all. Uh, yes, the Sermon on the Mount, really worth some time on that, because what's he getting at? Let your yes be yes, and your no be no, is what he's getting at. Well then, so what is this swearing for here? It's all connected to Old Testament law in Hebrew, of which Luther was a master, and so he reflected it in his German. So if you don't know how to distinguish between things like sin and iniquity, it's going to get too complicated for 10 minutes. Yeah, you with me on that? But I can tell you that you know what use satanic arts means. Okay, now rewind it. All three of those words mean use satanic arts in German. Like if we bring it across, what's he trying to get at? Don't do magic with Jesus. Don't. That's what he's saying. What he's not saying is, don't use the name of Jesus in anger, which is what's happened. Now, I just went point A to point B. There's a line to get there, but I went all the way, all right? Because what I want to set you free with today is the power to say the name Jesus Christ out loud the next time you get angry. And then when you feel like, oh my God, did I blaspheme my God? Turn to him and say, I need help praying better. Or whatever comes to mind, honestly, saying his name out loud will change your mind. Like, hallelujah, been doing that for a long time now. 
But isn't it interesting how the name of Jesus Christ is not on our lips as Americans, as American Christians? Have you noticed there's somebody absent from all the parties? Why is that? I think it's because, is my theory, pure opinion here, over two generations of us learning to talk from a screen, the screen's language managed to turn the name Jesus Christ said in any loud or even masculine particularly way into what we think is blasphemy and we were all shouted down from doing it or when we heard it is at a restaurant and it's some guy across the way saying like, Jesus Christ, my pizza's no good, right? He's saying something like that, which would be blasphemy. That's blasphemy. I mean, unless you're really gonna, Jesus Christ. All day long I've worked for this pizza and it's no good. Please give me faith to eat this pizza. I'm not really joking, right? But, but, but it's like, like you, can, you can do it. You, you can turn the words for your power. And I'm not talking prosperity gospel. I'm talking prayer. <laughs> I'm talking praying to Jesus and believing he will bless you. So with the little time we have left, I want to take you to where the Bible says you can do this, all right? So we're going to look first at Leviticus 19.12. Let's go back to Torah for a moment. Leviticus 19, 12. You don't have to turn here. It's just going to be one verse. But again, come with me in your head at least um, and write it down if you want. Here it says, this is one of the first places where the second commandment, you shall not bear, I'm sorry, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's what we're really dealing with. Don't use Jesus' name for evil things. Right? Don't use it for evil things. Um, it is expanded here in verse 12. There's more about it. And it says, you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am Jesus Christ. Um, so you have two prohibitions there that help us with wisdom, right? Don't tell lies and say, I swear to Jesus. Like that would be horrible. Go, you're going to hell. Okay, if you do that. Don't do that. Don't tell lies. You're, you're in trouble if you're telling lies. You're creating a net your own destruction. Uh, but, but certainly, um, uh, we are not to use Jesus' name that way. And then profane the name is to be, this is what we think of as blasphemy, is to use it mindlessly. If I say Jesus Christ out loud in anger and I don't say anything else, you got two options. One, I'm blaspheming. And I'll guarantee you, I'm probably looking at one of you afterwards give you this hand trick in a moment, but, but I'm probably blasphemy. The other option is that I've shouted out loud because I'm so angry. I don't know what else to do. I'm just waiting for an answer. I hit my, what, what, I, I heard a story about a guy uh, out of the farm in North Dakota uh, who had this big machine piece they were moving and then it just got set down and it, you know, it went through his entire foot. Pierced. Guy was in his like 60s. Now I think, I think I can, I can imitate this, right? I, this is, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, but like I'm in the field. I can feel this guy's pain. This goes through my foot, and I want to shout something. What are your options? I'm going to say you're free to say Jesus Christ. Let's look at Jeremiah 12, 16. This is the pater right here. Jeremiah 12, 16. If you can get there yourself, it'll be good. Jeremiah 12, 16. I'm going to read from verse 14 and then stop after 16 and talk about it again. But here's what Jesus says through Jeremiah about Reformation wherever it happens. He says, against all my evil neighbors who touch the inheritance, which I have caused my people Israel to inherit, behold, I will pluck them out of their land 
and pluck out of the house of Judah from among them. Then it shall be, after I have plucked them out, that I will return and have compassion on them and bring them back, everyone to his heritage and everyone to his land. Verse 16, here we are. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people, to swear by my name, as Jesus Christ lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says Jesus. This is about the diaspora. This is about the Gentile conversion. This is about coming to Christ and learning to call on him by name, and that means to swear by his name. As Jesus Christ lives, I believe he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, shall judge the wicked and the good, but we are saved by grace. As Jesus Christ lives, I swear. Amen. In fact, amen is like the way we do it now, right? Amen. I swear. We all say, I swear. Right? But we don't say, I swear, because we've been, it's been taken away from us as an idea. But let's, let's get away from the swearing, the cursing. I mean, this is going to be when you're in anger, right? Let's not get away. Um, oh, I got to finish this for you. I'm going to take three to four extra minutes today. Um, let's not get away from it. It's very important. When you are angry, the one you are free to curse as a Christian is God. He knows, Jesus knows, that in your heart is a wicked, sinful wretch that's never going away. And at the moment, when you are in that much anger, it is clear you've lost all sense of control and calm. And so you're completely in need of him, and you're calling on him with all that you got in that moment. And that's right and just and good in what he commands you to do. That's not blasphemy. That's to turn to him in prayer, right? You want that when you feel fear. Let's get away from anger for a moment and talk about fighting fear. When you feel that fear and you say, Jesus Christ, I feel fear. Jesus Christ, I feel fear. Now see, I just said it to John over here. I said, Jesus Christ, I feel fear. And then I realized, well, John's not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I feel fear. Take away my fear, Jesus Christ. The name is him. He is his own name. He is the power. Trust in his name and use it. So the foot rule of thumb for this week, ask questions. Don't go curse people. Don't go swear to people lies, right? Get the name of Jesus Christ on your lips like Psalm 118 has it do. Rule of thumb, not in people's eyes. But at the sky, Psalm 118, this will close it. Psalm 118. It's a long psalm. We're only going to look at verse 10 and following, where it says, All nations surrounded me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will destroy them. That's the verse that you can memorize, take home, highlight, and say out loud the next time you feel like saying poopy-choo or onomatopoeia or whatever word is a potty word and a bad word and you can't say it anymore. Or you're actually angry, you're actually afraid, and you'd rather say something good. Say, all nations surrounded me in the name of Jesus Christ. I cut them off. 
That is not to curse, swear, or use satanic arts. That is to pray, praise, and give thanks. Better, it is to declare a blessing on your life. Declare a blessing on your life, which is a prayer for the good you know God always wants to give. You can't make him give you money, but you can make him teach you to pray. And it starts by not being afraid of using the name Jesus Christ out loud. In the name of Jesus, amen.